Happy Tuesday, friends, and welcome to December the 21st and to a new day and a new week, Christmas week. And I hope that you get some downtime this week and next week and are able to rest and recoup, get ready for a new year. We're so excited about all that God has uh, planned, I believe, for our church in the new year. And we're, we're kind of limping through these, this COVID time. It seems like COVID's about to go away and then it comes back and it goes away and comes back. Uh, but we're trying to be resilient through it all. And I, I know that you are too. And I don't know how this broadcast finds you today. Maybe you're encouraged, maybe you're discouraged, but we're going to look into the Word of God. We're in Psalm 72, and as always, we're going to ask God to teach us and open our eyes and enlarge our understanding of where we are and who we are and who He is. And in that understanding, we always get a different perspective on what's going on in our lives today. And it always helps us to lean into our day in hope and strength and confidence, knowing that He walks with us and that He is for us and He is in us. And we're studying Psalm 72 because it's a psalm that really talks a lot about Jesus. It's a messianic psalm. It predicts and, and forecasts a king that will reign forever and ever with perfect peace and perfect judgment and perfect righteousness. And it's the, the, the older I get, the longer I live, the more I, uh, the more I pastor hurting people, the more I long for this day. I had a day last week where it was supposed to be a day off and just every other minute uh, there was a text or a phone call of tragedy or hardship or burden, and the day just continued all the way through the day that way. It was just nonstop. I told my wife, I said, I think I, I, think I just want to go hide for a little while. Uh, it, was a, it was a very heavy and discouraging day. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're not there. Either way, a psalm like Psalm 72 lifts our eyes, lifts our head, and gets us looking at the long view and the big picture so I'd like to pick it up in, in verse 1. We're going to especially focus on, um, on verses 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 today. It's a prayer for Solomon, but for the greater Solomon, for the Messiah, for the, for the future perfect, righteous judge and forever king. And that's Jesus, okay? And it's astounding to me that he's not only the king and creator of the universe, He's my friend, and he's yours, and he walks with you today, and he's going to walk with me and give me wisdom and hope today. What a wonderful king. He didn't just come to judge, because if he had, he would have had to destroy me. He came to save. He came to give mercy first so that he can judge later and not have to judge you or me or anybody that wants his grace and that wants his love. So give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. So we unfolded that yesterday, that when Jesus comes next, it's not going to be like Christmas morning. He's not coming as an infant, as a newborn from a, the womb of a virgin. He's not coming to a manger, into poverty, and into weakness. Uh, and into an itinerant ministry of mercy. No, the next time he comes, he's coming as an avenger. One word. There's not going to be a battle because his word will finish it. He will speak victory and he will wipe out the enemies. There will be enemies on earth that when Jesus is returning uh, will unite against him. As though, you know, like one of these apocalyptic movies where all of humanity unites against some invading enemy. Uh, well, he will be viewed as an invading enemy, uh, the arrival of Jesus. But one word 
will destroy all the enemies. And that's what it means to say he will break in pieces the oppressor. All of the oppressive systems of mankind, all of the oppressive governments, all of the oppressive uh, dictators, and uh, whether it's anarchy in Portland or whether it's the dictator that's you know, ruling in Russia or China, um, it is Jesus that will break all of this down and he will become the king, the ruler, the judge, and he will rule fairly. He will rule righteously. He will rule perfectly with purity and holiness. So when he breaks in pieces the oppressor, look at what verse 5 says. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. Now the word fear has two senses to it, okay? On one on a positive good sense, a healthy sense of fear is that is reverence and awe and wonder and we bow before the power and the majesty and the glory of of this perfect righteous judge, this all-powerful being. Um, that that he is worthy of reverence and worship. There's that kind of fear. If we refuse to give God that kind of fear as he deserves, then he is fearsome. He is terrifying. To the guilty, to the oppressor, to the wicked, to the sinful, he is absolutely terrifying. And it's right then to be terrified of him, okay? Because he is fearful, full of fear or fearsome. Uh, The author of Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a it is a breaking thing. It is a humiliating thing. It is a a flattening experience to uh, to to be approached or to encounter the presence of this God. Now, if you know him through Jesus, then perfect, perfect love casts out fear. But if you don't know him, then God is terrifying. And the concept of these verses is terrifying. For those who don't want Jesus as Savior, the Bible's nothing but a terrifying encounter, a book that would just cripple you with fear, which is why so many people don't want to even look at the Bible. They don't even want to consider it. They would rather just declare themselves to be agnostics or atheists and uh, pretend they don't have to reckon with these realities. They shall fear thee, As long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations, Jesus is a forever king. Look at verse 6. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. What's the picture here? This is a beautiful picture. It's not at first sensible to us, but stop and think about it. He's going to break in pieces the oppressor uh, like mown grass. He's going to cut them down. And that's a metaphor that kind of traces throughout scripture um, where God talks about the evil growing up like grass, but him cutting them down. Or Isaiah last week referred to the leaders and the rising, rising of different nations against nations like trees and forests. And God's going to gonna uh, bring down, burn down the whole forest. And he's going to grow a new tree, Jesus. He uses this metaphor, this uh, these organic metaphors. So the idea is Jesus is going to wipe out, he's going to cut down all the, all the grass, the wicked rulers, the wicked, wicked systems, the wicked um, uh, systems of men and kingdoms of men. But he's not just going to cut them down. What's he going to do? He shall come down like rain upon that grass and showers that water the earth. 
What does rain do once you've mowed your grass? It grows the grass. It renews the grass. It restores what was chopped down. So uh, this is a beautiful picture of a new creation. Jesus is going to come as a conquering hero, and he's going to wipe out all of his enemies. But he's going to also come down like rain, and he's going to nourish the earth, and he's going to regrow and replenish and restore all that was lost. Verse 7, in his days shall the righteous flourish. Now, we've talked about this months ago, maybe. Whenever we come across this idea of righteous, here's the first sense of it. It's perfection. Okay, let's just define it. Righteous, whoever is righteous is perfect. Okay, innocent and perfect, holy, pure, um, right through and through. So the next position you would come to, linking, thinking through this logically, rationally, is I'm not. <laughs> okay, if, if righteous means perfect, then I'm not. Okay, so... This is where grace and mercy enter the picture, and Jesus comes as our righteousness. We're going to study this, the Lord our righteousness. Jesus, the coming king, would be our righteousness. In other words, he's going to loan us his perfection. He's going to grant us, he's going to give us his righteousness, because we don't have righteousness, and we are not righteous. He's going to give us his when we receive it by faith, by grace, it becomes ours. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, God sees us through the record, the righteous life of Jesus. So we no longer are unrighteous in God's eyes. So this is a thing that happens by faith. It is a gift from God. It is the essence of the gospel. It is received, not achieved. You don't live up to it. You receive it, and it is given to you by faith, faith and trust in Jesus alone, and then you live out of it. You don't live up to it. You grow into it. Through the rest of your life, you grow into it. You don't perform for it. You learn to live from it, and that's what's happening in your life and my life today. So God declares you righteous through Jesus when you receive Jesus by faith. Then he grows you in that righteousness, and when he comes... He will make you, he will perfect that which he has begun. He will complete his work of righteousness. And you and I will one day be righteous. There will be no more struggle with pride or temptation or lust or anger or anything else. Okay, You will one day be righteous. And in that kingdom, the righteous are not those who have lived well. They're not, it's not the good, okay, because there is none righteous. No, the righteous are those who are in Christ who have received him by faith in this life. And in that day, in his days, verse 7, the righteous, you and I, or whoever has trusted him by faith through all generations, the righteous will flourish. They will abundantly flourish. My friend, your life right now is minimally flourishing, and maybe you don't feel like you're flourishing at all. There's a, minim there's a minimalness to your flourishing. We live in a broken world. We live in our flesh, we wrestle with sin, we wrestle with discouragement, we wrestle with fear, all these things. No, this is a perfect, abundant, comprehensive kind of flourishing. My friend, this is a beautiful promise, and it's a Christmas promise, okay? The king of the universe became a baby to go to a cross, to rise again, to declare you righteous by faith, 
so that one day he could welcome you as his bride into his forever kingdom where you would flourish. And look at the rest of the verse and we'll be done. An abundance of peace in his days shall the righteous flourish. An abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Oh, my friend, the beauty of this psalm and this promise is that you have a Messiah, you have a Savior, and you celebrate him this week, his incarnation, his birth. If you've never trusted him, trust in him. And if you know him, then celebrate him and anticipate uh, your future flourishing. Hey, thanks for joining me. Happy Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow.